0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the May 24th edition of the Connect Online Meeting. Sorry for the late start. Uh, right about the time I pressed the go live button, my internet connection said nope, and I got all over my screens. You are not connected to the internet mornings, and it took a couple of minutes for that to come back. So we're a little late getting started, so I'll try to hurry the introduction along as best I can. Please like, share, and subscribe. We'd appreciate it if you would. If you'd like to support Digital Bible Study, you can do that with Stars, Super Chats, Facebook and YouTube or you can sign up the website at Digital Bible Study for $5 a month. Appreciate that we're greatly if you would think, consider doing it. To my good friend Eric Owens, how are you doing tonight, man?
1: <laughs> doing great. Welcome, everybody. We are on feed now tonight, and so we're going to say a word of prayer at the end of the session. Jonathan will keep a watch over the feed as well as lead us in that prayer tonight, and we will look forward to that. Somebody has already mentioned, please keep uh, text, text in our prayer uh, for the shooting that occurred there, and we we'll certainly want to do that. We turn our attention to our speaker, friend of the program, friend of ours, great gospel preacher, Brother Mornay. Morne Stephanas is here with us. Brother Mornay,
2: how are you, sir? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to be here tonight. Glad to be part of this again. Thanks for the invite. sir. Yes, sir. It is good to have you. Always
1: good to see you. Uh, for those who don't know you, would you uh, give us about, I don't know, a few seconds or a few minutes to tell us about yourself, your work, your family, anything you're working on or
2: want to share? Mornay Stephanas, working with the Riverside Church of Christ in, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, formerly Duluth Church of Christ in Duluth, Georgia. We moved a couple of years ago, uh, working as the minister there, uh, married to Amanda Stephanas. have two lovely children, uh, Spencer, who's four years old, and Avery, who is uh, two years old. As far as works are concerned, things that I'm involved in currently, the most prominent is that of the texas school of preaching i'm an adjunct instructor at the texas school of preaching we always take an opportunity to promote the school to uh, talk about the school if anyone wants any information about the school of preaching you can go to uh, texasschoolofpreaching.com www.texasschoolofpreaching.com uh, and get more information but we're uh, promoting the school encouraging individuals to uh, send their students and young men who want to want to learn the gospel, want to be able to preach the gospel, and uh, certainly contact the school. Uh, we will start our first year this June, it will be the inaugural class of uh, the Texas School of Preaching, and uh, this is run by the BCS congregation, uh, Bryan College Station congregation, uh, where uh, Jason Rollo is one of the elders in DINK, uh, and Terence Brownlow Dindy will be the director of the school. And so, uh, if you want more information, like I said, www.texasschoolofpreaching.com will get you that information.
1: Fantastic, man. We're excited about that school and its start and uh, those working with it. Glad you're going to be a part of that. Sure, it will be uh, a wonderful uh, asset to the cause of the Lord and the preaching, training of men to preach the gospel. Uh, We appreciate that, man. And uh, anytime uh, you want to promote the school, tell us the progress, or anything like that, uh, feel free to to let us know that and we'll be glad to share that as well. June is coming pretty quickly. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we are uh, very glad to do that. We have in the past, I think we just did it recently, uh, given the school a preaching opportunity to use their students to preach for a week. And so. Once you all get up and running, we
2: look forward to doing that with y'all as well. Sounds good. What are you going to be preaching about tonight? Well, tonight I'm going to talk about the subject of community. Uh, the title, uh, title is Edify yes, one, 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 another. one Another. You know, when we consider the the body of Christ and in uh, generally speaking, the world understands that this is a one another religion, you know, but what does that ex- mean exactly? And so we want to delve a little bit deeper into that and discuss this one another religion, looking at the the underlying theme of of edifying one another and how the church is structured to to do that very well. uh, And where Christians do not have to uh, consider themselves alone in this world, that we do have brethren around us and the church has been designed for that very purpose.
1: That's outstanding. We heard a sermon last night on the church. This one will dovetail very nicely into that and we'll continue that thought. We look forward to the sermon, man. Good to have you here.
0: Two things real quick for turning loose uh, morning. Number one, I already reached out to Terrence. Um, and actually, y'all were both in Washington because I reached out to both of y'all on the same day and you both said we're in Washington together. <laughs> so, uh, but I already talked to Terrence about doing what Eric said. Sometime down in the fall, winter, about having a week for the Texas School of Preaching. So hopefully we can get that arranged for y'all. Uh, and secondly, everybody, don't forget in the eight o'clock hour, we have a uh, cogitations blog with uh, Tony Brewer coming up. So stick around. Uh, After Mornay is done, because we have another program coming up um, in the next hour. So, all that being said, Brother Mornay, floor is yours. Go ahead and uh, start preaching whenever you're ready.
2: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining the Connect live broadcast tonight. Once again, I'm great uh, grateful for the opportunity to preach to you tonight, to talk to you about the church, and especially about the topic or theme of edifying one another uh, as was just mentioned in the announcements you know there are things happening in this world there was a shooting in texas today i have small children i cannot imagine what those parents uh, are going through right now certainly our prayers are with them and uh, we we certainly want to as christians look at that situation and, and and sometimes we want to make sense of it of it all understanding that the trials of life do happen that uh, sin is in the world, and as long as sin is in the world, men will continue to do that, which is ungodly. Uh, but certainly there has to be there has to be more than sometimes those those platitudes. For the last number of years, we've been dealing with a lot of of issues where collectively as uh, as the body of Christ, collectively as the world, we've been dealing with a number of issues that have caused us to have to endure a little bit harder that has caused us to think about our path that has tested our faith a little bit more and and these issues uh, you know un- uh, unfortunately have caused some to struggle in the faith have caused some to fall away from the faith and uh i would submit to you tonight that you know when we look at our life in christ there should be an answer for the trials of life there should be an answer for the trials of life after all second peter chapter one Verses two and three, the Bible says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us unto glory and virtue. And so we have all things pertaining to life and godliness. God has provided for us a book that can help us and will help us if we allow it through this life he has not left us without recourse second timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 all scripture is given by the inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works and so whatever we need to to sustain righteousness whatever we need in this life to continue in righteousness to stand when trials come upon us to stand when we're faced with temptation. Has been given unto us by the Father he has provided for us through his Holy Spirit that word there in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 that the scriptures are profitable that word there means to satisfy the scriptures completely satisfy in all of those areas mentioned in the verse and so indeed the scripture has uh, provided for us with plenty of assurance uh, when life assaults and so the scripture tells us about the providence of god i can read about the providence of god and be assured that you know uh, god is not if you allow me this phrase sitting in heaven twiddling his thumbs and wondering how he's going to protect his people how he is going to uh, be with his people that's not the god of heaven whom we serve the bible tells me that god is providentially involved in the lives of of his children as christians specifically tonight as i speak to the body of christ as christians we We enjoy a special providence or a particular providence. Now, what what may that be? It is a providence that is, which is exercises, which God exercises over in behalf of our good of those uh, uh, who will and are in harmony with his divine will. So the Bible sometimes speaks of uh, God acting upon the good of his body, those who are living in accordance with his will. Now, God does operate providentially in a generic or a general way in the world. He makes the sun to shine and the rain to descend on the just and the unjust alike. But there is a special way in which uh, he takes care of his children. After all, special providence or particular providence, Romans chapter 8, talking about that as well. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18 through 19 says, Indeed, I have uh I, indeed i have all in abound. i am full having received from epaphroditus the things which you send a sweet smelling savour. uh this is the apostle paul speaking an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to god and my god notice what paul says here my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus and so the apostle paul makes a statement speaking by inspiration saying, god is going to supply your need he's going to take care of you this is the same message you may recall matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 as the lord talks to the jews they were so focused on the material things of this life the necessities of this life the lord didn't say you shouldn't focus on it they were just disproportionately focused on it and the lord said you need to focus on the kingdom and so the lord told them the same thing the apostle paul promises here the same thing that god understands what you have need of and god will supply it in fact in the book of corinthians 2 The apostle paul makes that same argument uh to the corinthians uh, and tells them that when they send their gift they're not going to be losing out god is able to make them abound uh, so that they may be able to be ready for every good work and so we can read in the scriptures about the the providential care of god and that's a source of comfort it's a source of comfort to me to know that that i serve a god that i have a father who has my best interest at heart whose desire is for me to be with him in eternity. And uh, he certainly is providentially operating in the lives of his children. But then also we have access to God uh, through prayer uh, in in the body of Christ. We have access to God through prayer. And what a privilege to approach the creator and sustainer of this world and to know that when you enter into prayer to the Father, that it is the Father, the great Jehovah, who hears your prayer. 1 Peter 5, 6 and and 7 A verse with which we're familiar therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you and so i know that when when the trials of life hinder me i can i can go to the father i can i can cast all my care upon him philippians 4 and verse 6 be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall guard your hearts and mind and our Lord and savior, Jesus, the Christ. And so the apostle Paul talks about that peace that we can have even in the midst of trials and it all comes and that connection between peace and uh, uh, that peace we have in the trials is, is that bridge of prayer. He talks there. He says, you just don't be anxious for anything, but instead here's the bridge pray. And that will help with the anxiety you will then afford or be afforded that peace, which passes understanding. And so these should provide the Christian that peace. This, this these scriptures should provide the Christian the the ability and uh, the recognition that, you know, this life is hard at times and terrible things happen in this life. And we've experienced some terrible things in this life in in the last number of years. But just looking at the providential care of God and, and, and looking at the fact that we have access to God through prayer. These are things that encourage us uh, to continue in faithfulness. And so indeed, the scripture has provided that. However, there is another component here. Not only is it God's providence, not only is it prayer to God, but here's another component germane to our lesson tonight is the people of God, the people of God when god created man i want you to think back to to genesis genesis chapter one genesis chapter two when god created man he placed him in the garden and according to the scriptures all was good except for one thing you know god created all things and everything was good everything was the way god uh, intended for it to be but he looked at at the situation that was not good the bible says genesis 2 and verse 18 and the lord saw uh, uh, god said it is not good that man should be alone, I will make a, uh, make him a helper comparable to him. And so uh, the inspired historian uh, Moses then gives us more insight into this dilemma. He says it's not good for man to be alone. But why is it not good for man to be alone? Why is it was it not good for Adam to be the only one of his kind at that time? Notice what what uh, what Moses says. Genesis chapter two and verse twenty. Notice what he says. So Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. For Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Adam had the beast of the field, and he had the birds of the air uh, in abundance, but he was lacking something or someone that was like him. He just had the animals. And so the animals, according to the scripture here, could never provide Adam with spiritual or emotional support. Nor could uh, the intellectual and social nature of man be satiated by the animal. Now, I know people love dogs, and 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 some of people love cats. You know, uh, some weird people out <laughs> there like cats, but you have people who love animals greatly—not even just dogs and cats, of horses, all sorts of animals—and they take them in as pets. And there are some people even go a step further; they prefer animal company over that of humans. And and, and there's a, a there's an interesting theory to that—at least my theory. Uh, is that, you know, when you an animal is easier to deal with, you don't have to necessarily uh, uh, deal with the animal in the same way that you have to deal with a human. Uh, and you can kind of have your way with the animal in the sense that you can you can give the animal what you want, you can talk to the animal how you want. And so maybe it's the case that some just prefer animal company because they're either too lazy to, to uh, put themselves out there to deal with what man brings generally to the table, which is problems and Uh, or to accept man for who they are. But that's just my theory in and of itself and another lesson, maybe altogether. But here, some people desire that company. But when all is said and done, that animal can never provide what a human being can provide, because that's not how God designed us. He did not design us or he did not design this world, or at least in these passages, he did not design mankind, Eve specifically uh just because he designed her he 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 brought her forth because adam was alone and it wasn't good but wait a second he had the animals but that wasn't good enough in the sight of god and so animals can never replace uh human beings even though some believe that they can and so genesis chapter 2 verses 21 and 22 the bible says and adam was provided someone who was like him someone who can uh could reciprocate his intellectual emotional and physical and spiritual needs god provided for him another human being and in this we see the critical nature what you know what the lord provided for adam is similarly provided for us in the church through our through the body of christ through our brothers and sisters in christ it was not good for adam to be alone and so god provided for him a helper God provided for him a help that was suitable for him, someone who could reciprocate all the things that humans need reciprocation from. And so when God created his church, when God established his church, when he purposed and planned his church, within the foundation of the church, within the core of its makeup is this idea of brethren supporting one another. The Lord created a a family. He created a, a community that benefits one another. Christianity is not a religion of solitude. It is not a religion of solitude. Christianity is not uh, going up on a mountain somewhere and staying in a a monastery and not having anything to do with the world whatsoever. That is not the concept of Christianity. Christianity is not hiding behind a high fence, what I like to call high fence Christianity. You know, sometimes what we do is we're so afraid of, of the world. That we get behind this high fence and we uh, pull up all the gates and, and every now and then we'll peek over the fence and we'll shout to people, oh, you need to be saved or don't do that. But we don't want to necessarily go out as Jesus did amidst the people and convert them and talk them, uh, talk to them about the truth. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not a religion of solitude where we isolate ourselves from everyone. Christianity is a religion that is out amongst the people generically or generally speaking, but specifically to our subject, Christianity is relationships. It's relationships with one another woven into the fabric of the church of Christ is this concept of a communal edification, a communal edification woven into the fabric. Notice these verses that point this out. Galatians chapter six, and verse two bear he one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ bear one another's burdens uh you know we're going to have burdens in this life as we talked about there are going to be trials in this life but the lord says you need to bear one another we need to help one another we need to consider one another first thessalonians 5 in verse 14 now he exhorts you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with all and so here we see a, a very uh, a specific set of commandments. He says, "Warn those who that are, that are unruly." What is that? That's love in action. That's discipline. Uh, those who are not living uh, according to the, the the dictates of God, according to the the commandments of God, we warn them because they are heading to a path of destruction. That's love. He says, "Comfort the faint-hearted." You know, there are some who are more faint-hearted than others, and the Lord uh, did not say to us to to step on them. He did not say to us uh, say to us make fun of them. He says, "You need to." Comfort the faint hearted, assure them, encourage them, strengthen them through his word. Uphold the weak, those who are weak, those who are struggling. Uphold them and be patient with all men. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works as the Hebrews writer encourages them to to worship together. And the word consider there is the idea of paying attention to one another. You know, it's not just a thinking about the person. But is actually paying attention to my brother paying attention to my sister and and, and maybe asking the questions you know what's going on with sister so and so what's going on with brother so and so that's considering one another and we do this uh, the hebrews writer says to provoke to stir up that word provoke there in the text parauxmos is a as a fit of higher rage it's a, a boiling over and so he says what you need to do is you need to provoke one another to love and good works and how do you provoke one another he says by thinking about one another by considering one another by making sure that you understand what your brethren are going through hebrews 12 and verse 12 as well we notice this therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees what a great uh, passage that is strengthen the hands which hang down i think sometimes we are mistaken uh, or at least some Christians are mistaken in in their approach of Christianity. They believe that Christianity is this state of euphoria where you're just walking around with a smile every day and there's really not much uh, that that is wrong in your life. No, that's not the case at all. Christianity is not a a state of euphoria. It is a state of peace, certainly, uh, and joy, as the book of Philippians clearly points out, even amidst trials and tribulations. Why? Because yes, I'm going to sorrow. I'm going to experience trial and it may cause my hands to hang down. It may cause me to have feeble knees, but at the end of the day, I know uh, whom I am serving. I know whom I have believed in and I know where I'm going and that's the peace and the joy. And so it's not the case that you will never sorrow. It's not the case that you will never experience trials, but it is the case that, that you know that even though those things come upon you, you will be able to be strengthened and the strength that is provided for you in this text says it comes from your brethren. It comes from those who are around you. It comes from brothers and sisters in Christ. Strengthen. He says, he says to the church, therefore you strengthen those who are dealing with difficulties. And so this concept, this concept, this one another concept, this edifying one another, this aspect of community that is woven into the fabric of the church. We understand this concept to be critical to the practical and spiritual function of the body of Christ. You know, the Lord did not haphazardly create his church. The Lord did not, you know, the church didn't fall out of the sky. I'm currently working on a uh, or at least I've already submitted a manuscript about the Lutheran Church. Uh, We'll be talking about that at the uh, Men's Development Conference and Gospel Meeting at the BCS Church of Christ. And my topic is the Lutheran church when you consider the Lutheran church, the Lutheran church literally fell out of the sky. It's a fortuitous founding. Uh, it, it was it was founded uh, because they couldn't reform the Catholic church. There was no purpose behind it. There was no planning behind it, but that was it, its existence. This is not the church you read about in the Bible. The church you read in about uh, read about in the Bible has been perfectly and meticulously planned and purposed by God. And so when we come to this aspect of community, We understand that because it is is woven into the fabric of the church, that it was planned and purposed that way and planned and purposed that way for a specific reason. Consider this, that on a practical level, the idea or the concept of community in the body of Christ is very critical. Uh, Dr. Louise Hawley who is a a professor of psychology at the university of of Chicago, I believe he said the following physical and perceived loneliness is a precursor to depression, physical and perceived loneliness is a precursor to depression. And that is just from a secular standpoint, if you will, from a secular individual a non-religious individual. And so when you listen to those who are depressed, is this not true? What she says, what do they say? I am alone. Nobody cares no one would miss me even if i'm gone and many people who who get to that state of mind would 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 take their lives would 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 decide to do something uh contrary to the scriptures and, and commit suicide or even worse as as a young man did today uh, you know not only take their own lives or have their own lives taken by putting themselves in that position but also take the lives of others because uh, you know some feel that they need to to go out into uh, with a blaze if you will and so we understand that this concept of being alone and 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 the concept of 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 not f- feeling like no one cares for me that i'm alone in this world it's very dangerous it's a very dangerous concept uh, we ask ourselves then considering that that is the case that loneliness does breed a depression we ask ourselves How faithful or how fruitful do you suppose a child of God is going to be in the service of God, that great service, that all important service of saving souls? How faithful and fruitful do you suppose that individual is going to be in a depressive state? I would dare say not very, and we have examples in the scriptures of that. As we'll look at here in just a minute and so we see it from a practical standpoint the concept of community the concept of of encouraging one another of understanding that we're not alone from a practical standpoint this is going to aid in the continuance of righteousness in the continuance of the work of god both of the individual and also of of those who are around them but then also not only on the practical level is this idea of community uh critical but also on a spiritual level the spiritual effect of isolation is vividly illustrated in the scriptures isolation is not good i wrote an article on the moral compass uh isolation for comprehension and consider the uh you know in 2020 we essentially isolated ourselves and 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 everybody was isolated that isolation was not very good we understand what people were trying to do but the uh, the the foundation of it Uh, the concept of it was not good why because man is a social creature man does not need to be isolated in that fashion and so we see this illustrated in scripture that isolation is not good uh, elijah's depression his depression that he had if you can remember the account in first kings chapter 18 uh, uh chapter 18 and chapter 19 elijah's depression stemmed from this from this idea that he was alone the scripture says in First Kings eighteen verse twenty-two, and also in First uh, Kings nineteen and verse ten, the Lord. He talks to the Lord. He says, "I alone am left a prophet." He says, "I'm alone. There's no one else who is standing with me. There's no one else who is standing up uh, in the or in the trenches with me. I have to fight these false prophets alone, uh, foolish as they were, and even as uh, as Elijah won a great victory." In that respect he still was alone he still in his mind thought he was alone Uh, i'm alone i'm left and they seek to take my life and so he wants to die he wants to die he wants out he doesn't want to deal with this life anymore why because he thinks he is alone and his encouragement his encouragement by god was predicated on the exact opposite notice what the lord says in first kings 19 and verse 18 it says yet have i reserved seven thousand in israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal." And every mouth that has not kissed him. What is the Lord telling Elijah? You're not alone. You're not alone, Elijah. And so we see from a spiritual aspect, from a spiritual viewpoint, this that loneliness is dangerous, spiritually speaking. And we understand that when we look at how the church has been set up, when we look at what the church is, the community aspect of the church, It thwarts all of those aspects. From a practical standpoint, it helps us to be better when we have a community around us. From a spiritual standpoint, it helps us to be better when we have a community around us. But also uh, from a rebellious standpoint, consider this. You know, Israel's rebellion, uh, the one of their first rebellions against God, when Moses is up on the mountain, he's receiving uh the Decalogue, he's receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And what happens? Israel becomes terribly afraid. And they uh, coaxed Moses into uh, or Aaron rather into making making them a false God. And what was their reasoning? Their reasoning was in Exodus 32 and verse one, Moses went up onto the mountain. He's not coming down. He left us here by ourselves. We're alone. We're alone. And so what they did is they, they made a calf. They wanted someone. They wanted something in front of them. And so they, they believed themselves to be alone. They were not alone. Moses was just up on the mountain talking to God. God knew exactly what was going on. It was not the case that they were alone, uh, uh, actually. However, depression is not concerned about the reality of loneliness. Depression is not concerned about the reality of loneliness. You may very well this evening recognize this by the fact that you sit in the pew and there are many brethren who are surrounding you but you still feel alone you may think that you are alone because of various things happening in your life and 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 someone will say well why do they feel that way they're not alone well that's not how depression works and that's certainly a a study for someone who is more qualified in the area of psychology. But we understand from a basic standpoint that depression is not concerned about the reality of loneliness, as is seen here in this book. If you believe it to be true, if you believe it to be true or uh, whether it is true or not, it will affect how you respond to things. And so hence the Lord, even though he knows that we are not alone, even though he knows that we will never be alone, the Lord, in his infinite grace and mercy, he assures us of this. He says, Matthew 28, verse 20, I'm with you always. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that, he, he gives us that assurance, and we can read that in the scriptures. But he does more than that, and that's the, that's the God we serve. It's always more with God. You know, we don't deserve the grace that he bestows upon us. But when you read the scriptures, there's always more with God. And God says, not only am I going to be with you, Not only am I never going to leave you nor forsake you, but here is what I'm going to do as well. I'm going to design my church to be a community, to be a community that encourages one another, that strengthens one another, that helps one another. That is within the design of the body of Christ. And it is practical for it is a it it is critical for practical reasons. It is critical also for spiritual reasons. And so community. Support, edification is critical to the proper functioning of the body. I cannot stress this enough. It behooves us to facilitate and promote that function. When we let go of the aspect of community, when we let go of the things that we'll be covering here as we as we get to uh, uh, the uh, latter end of our sermon here, uh, when we let go of those things, then the church cannot be what God would have it to be. Remember, God designed his church to be a certain way so that he can have it function in a certain way to accomplish the task that he put in front of her. When we remove one aspect of it, and we may not necessarily think of the, the idea of fellowship, the idea of communion or community as a, as a big thing. Sometimes, unfortunately, we, we only think of fellowship as it relates to a meal together. And this certainly is true, and we'll cover that. But sometimes that's the only thing we think of it, and we don't think of it as a very significant thing when in reality, when you remove that aspect of community from the body of Christ, you're removing something valuable. God put it there for a reason, and when you remove it, the church is not going to function how uh, she should. When you consider first century Christianity, you read through the book, uh, and you read Christians, and you can, you, the, the sense of community jumps off the page, if you will. When you read through uh, the book of acts especially the first uh, first couple of chapters and so how do we support as a community of believers let's spend the latter half of our lesson here and look at what do we do then to foster this the sense of community to foster this idea this this biblical idea and concept of community if it's lost in our congregations what do we do to get it back how what can i do as a, as, as a member of the body of christ to make sure that that I am fostering this concept of community. Well, the word fellowship or community or communion association, you know, that's that's the word that we're focusing on. And sometimes when we think about fellowship, we, we limit it to the concept of agreement. When we define fellowship, we limit it to the concept of agreement. We strip away its most basic functions and only attribute it a mediocre definition. We strip away everything that relates to fellowship and we just say, well, it is an agreement. Well, it's more than just an agreement. Uh, We might very well say that fellowship or agreement without works is dead because when we talk about fellowship, it is a work. It is something that desires to be done. And so when you look deeper into the illustration of fellowship, Uh, we see that it is more than just saying that we are in agreement, we're in fellowship one with another. Consider then Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. As we consider this, that fellowship is an activity. Fellowship is something that you do, something in which you are engaged. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Notice what it says about the church. This is the establishment of the church. Uh, These are the initial uh, things that happen in the church and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, Uh, then fear came upon every soul and every uh, many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all that believed were together and all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And so from this passage, consider the following things about fellowship, about community, about communion. Consider what it is. Number one, community is taking care of one another. Community is taking care of one another. And so you've obeyed the gospel, you're in Jerusalem, you've obeyed the gospel. And uh, you've left behind those things which are contrary to God and you're struggling a little bit. And and now what you ask the question, how am I going to be taken care of? What is going to happen to me? You know, we have certainly stressed uh, as preachers and as elders this many times. There is a need when there is a need. We certainly want to help. We want to help individuals. Why? Because it is the law of kindness. It is the law of kindness. And if we're going to call ourselves New Testament Christians, we need to act like New Testament Christians. So when there's a need in the body of Christ, when my brothers or sisters have have need of something, then I'm not going to consider. Well, let me think about that for a second. You know, I've got some other stuff I want to do. If you can't help, you can't help. That's understandable. It is still uh, the desire of the Lord that we do help in some form or fashion. Benevolence is not just a good thing to do. It is a test of our faith. Being doing good for one another and helping out one another, James chapter 2:15 through 16. if a brother or sister be naked and destitute and, and come to your house and, uh, and you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled not notwithstanding you give them those things which are needful for the body, what is it profit? Picture the situation. brother comes into the door and knocks on your door and says uh, and you look at him and says, "Wow, you're, you're naked and destitute." Man, I hope you get what you need and you close the door. What would you say to if you saw that, if you, if you were able to look at that, what would you say? No, you need to do something. That's the whole point James is making is faith without works is dead. You need to do something because you've been commanded to do something, and it is the law of kindness. And so imagine Jesus going around uh as he's preaching his uh is preaching his kingdom, going around and, and people come upon him and he says, Wow, you're blind. Whew yeah you better you better get some help for that wow you're lame you know i hope somebody can help you well he can and he did jesus was able to heal the sick this was part of the the purpose of miracles is for him to prove that he is the christ but he was able to heal the sick he was able to to allow the blind to see he was able to feed people at times and he did what he was able to do because that is the law of kindness we have to do what we are able to do first john 3 16 and 17. I want you to notice this passage very carefully. First John 3: 16 and 17. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and so ought we to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, such his heart up from him. How does the love of God abide in him? God says, Don't tell me you love me when you see your brothers and sisters are in need and you shut up your goods and you don't want to help them. Don't even come to me telling me you love me. Because you're lying. In fact, he would go on to say if you say you are walking in, in 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 the light, yet you're continuing in sin. He says you're a liar. If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. You cannot continue to act that way. And so when we look at this concept of community, we have to understand that community as it's seen in the first century, as it's talked about throughout the scripture, is a taking care of one another. Community is also eating together. Community is eating together. Now, what's the big deal about sharing a meal? I I talk about this often when I preach. What's the big deal about sharing a meal? Well, here's a question you need to ponder. Do you perhaps know of any culture? Do you know of any time in history where food was not the center of agreement? I dare say you would find very few instances in history, if any, where food was not the center of some type of agreement. Food has always played an integral part of agreement, of fellowship. When a deal is made, we sit down together, we have a meal, we shake hands. That, that's just a common practice uh, notice what one uh, sociology professor from the University of Cardiff said he said the cultural significance of food and eating focuses on social values meanings and beliefs rather than the dietary requirements and nutritional values and so what he's saying it's not about what you eat it's not about what you're what is in front of you but it is the idea of of, of that focuses on that social value of, of sitting together and having a meal the fact that sharing a common meal is tied to fellowship is emphatically then seen in Paul's rebuke to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. But now have I written to you not to keep company with any named a brother uh, who is a fornicator and an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Why? Why should we not even eat with this person? Why should we refuse to have that meal? Because that is one of the foundational concepts of fellowship is having a meal together there's an agreement there there's an understanding there and so how do we encourage you know community well let's sit down and have a meal together let's sit down and have a fellowship meal together i think fellowship meals in the body of christ have gone by the wayside people don't eat uh, uh fellowship meals together as much as they used to congregations don't eat fellowship meals together as much as they used to it's kind of gone by the wayside and then we wonder why we're drifting further and further apart from one another it's because we're not sitting to down, down together and engaging in the, one of the most basic co- uh, concepts or tenets of fellowship. And that is sharing a meal together. John chapter 13, you know, the Lord says it is in this environment that the Bible says uh, the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. In that environment, as the disciples were continuing in the apostles doctrine, going from house to house and uh, uh, f- uh, and, and having a meal together in that environment, the Lord added to the church, could it be, could it be that those who are outside of the body of Christ looked inside at this family? Because when you see folks eating together, you assume friendship. When you see people eating together, you assume family. Could it be that those who are looking, out from the, uh, looking in from the outside, they're looking and say, wow, that, that looks great. You know that's great that they're that type of family i know it was instrumental in me obeying the gospel john chapter 13 34 and 35 is clear a new commandment i give unto you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another and by your evangelistic efforts no that's not what he says by your benevolence no that's not what he says it says by your love for one another they shall know that you are my disciples and so community is this idea of eating together how do we foster this let's get together and let's have a meal and and, and let, let's uh, a fellowship with one another community is taking care of one another but then also consider this community is praying together the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much james says and the first century christians believed with all their heart that prayer that verse that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man Avails veils their faith was squarely placed in the god of heaven who said is anything too hard for the lord genesis chapter 18 and verse 14 and so their faith rested on these reliable testimony thus when their brethren were in need of help what we read in the scriptures is that they came together to pray i remember years ago uh when i was working in south africa with a congregation there the man uh, who we, we would have a prayer night Every uh, Monday night we would get together. I think it was every second Monday night. We would get together at various members' homes and we would have a prayer night. We would just uh, take uh, through the week. We would make sure that we get requests for prayers and the men would all lead prayers. And, and, and uh, most of the congregation was there. And afterward, guess what we did? We ate something. We sat there and ate donuts and drink, drank coffee. Greatest time ever. We'll never forget it. But we believed in prayer. We believed in the power of prayer. That's first century Christianity right there. They believed in the power of prayer. They believed that God was able to help. And so when, when Peter was in trouble, when he was arrested, uh, when, when some of the apostles were in trouble, what did they do? They got together and they prayed. How many times do we do that? How many times do we engage in prayer with one another anymore? How many times do we come together as a, as a body of Christ? Not for any specific, but just to pray. We're going to meet on Wednesday night. We're going to meet on on Tuesday night, on Thursday night, and we're coming together to pray because this world needs it. This body needs it. This person needs it. If we believe in the power of prayer, we certainly would, would, would do that. And that is what community is about. It is praying together. It is eating together. It is helping out one another. But then also consider this community is praising together. Praising God is what first century Christians did now we are talking about community and we and and how communal fellowship provides us with the encouragement we need and so we ask the the question why is praising god in here why is praising god a source of edification well let me suggest that if you do not see the communal praise for the lord as a source of encouragement something is amiss if you do not feel encouraged when you go on the first day of the week and meet with the saints to praise jehovah god let me suggest brother let me suggest sister that something's amiss because that is a great source of encouragement the psalmist said the following psalm 42 verses 1 and 4 to the chief musician a contemplation of the sons of korah as a deer pants for the water brooks so my soul longs for you O god my soul thirsts for god the loving god when shall i come to appear before god my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me where is your god when i remember these things i pour out my soul within me for i used to go with the multitude when i went to them the house of god with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast the writer here the psalmist is in deep distress he's surrounded by affliction and he is separated from the house of god and notice what he says I have such deep sorrow my heart is breaking even further when i think about how we used to worship together how we used to go to the house of the lord your presence in worship is a source of encouragement and your absence is surely felt consider then also last but in no wise the least our time is running out consider this community is working together community is working together do you suppose that if they were helping together, they were eating together, praying together, praising together, that they would be working together? Absolutely. See, when you have all of that togetherness, if you allow my lack of phraseology, if when we have all of that uh, type of attitude displayed in the church, we're going to be working together, spending all of that time. The Lord added to the church those who were being saved. How is one saved? One is saved by hearing the word of God now who's doing the teaching and the preaching of the word of god these folks these folks who were eating together these folks who were praying together these folks who were praising together these folks who were helping one another out it's they who are going all about and turning the world upside down idleness fuels discouragement it's not called the devil's playground for nothing elijah When he was discouraged, one of the things God told him to do is get back to work. Get back to work. Don't worry. You're not working alone, but you need to get back to work. I think that's the boat in which we are in many congregations over the in the country, maybe elsewhere as well. We've kind of ceased the work. You know, we've been halted there for a bit and we've kind of ceased to uh, cease to ceased the work and uh you can see the discouragement that is slowly creeping into the body and and a lot of people have lost their faith what we need to do is we need to get back to work we need to recognize that there's still a mandate and then we need to encourage one another by the things mentioned here and so we also understand that the world Let's close with this the world has lost its sense of community the world has lost its sense of community every man is for himself you know, they build high fences and they stay in their homes. I will always say I can get murdered in my home and my neighbors probably wouldn't find me, uh, find me until they stench comes to, to the street or something of that nature. Because we don't have that type of society anymore where neighbors know one another. We don't have the type of society anymore where people care about one another. That is the world's view right now is isolation. We don't want anything to do with you and and you don't have anything to do with us. We have to ask ourselves the questions as Christians. Have we bought into a philosophy of isolation? Have we bought into that philosophy? And in so doing, have we then dismantled New Testament community? by implementing that philosophy in our own lives, in the lives of the body of Christ, we cannot properly function as the body of Christ by acting contrary to the body of Christ that you read about in scriptures. We are a community. We are a community. We are a household. We are a family. And more so than that, we are God's family. And he has designed this family to be able to rely upon one another be able to edify one another and i hope that you have been encouraged to do that and if you have not done that that you would ask god's forgiveness and start doing that let's close with a word of prayer our father in heaven we are grateful for this opportunity that is ours once again to delve into your word and to learn it lord god to know where we have done that which is pleasing to you to also know where we need reproof and correction, Lord, we pray for the body of Christ. We pray for for her fervently. We pray for her strength. We pray for her courage. We know that times are upon us, Lord God, which will bring trial, which will bring suffering, Lord. Indeed, may even bring persecution. We know that in order for us to stand, that we need to be encouraged. We need to have courage, Lord, and that courage does not only come from your word, Lord, we pray that we may recognize that the courage to stand and to continue to fight the good fight of faith comes through community, comes through us helping one another, edifying one another in love, comes through us strengthening one another as we stand in the trenches fighting that good fight of faith. We pray, Lord, that you may encourage our hearts, that you may strengthen us to continue to do your will and work. We pray for this good work here, connect, Lord. We pray that the words that are going out here, but oh, not every night, Lord, the the sermons that are going out may help individuals, Lord, live better lives for you, may help individuals come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. We pray, Lord God, for Jonathan, for Eric, and for their respective works. We pray that you may continue to bless them, that you may continue to strengthen them and hold up their hands, Lord, as they serve in your kingdom. We ask the forgiveness of our sins, Lord. We pray that you may also be with those who have struggled, especially today with the shooting in Texas, Lord. We pray for... For those parents, Lord, who are grieving tremendously, you know exactly, Lord, what they are going through as you have lost your son, they too have lost their children. We pray, Lord, that you may be with them at this time and that you may comfort them as only you can. We ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.
3: Amen, Brother Mornay.
1: I tell you what. I didn't know it was possible, but brethren seem to be getting better at this thing called preaching. I mean,
2: man, that's just good stuff, man. Just appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Man, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you for that, man. Jonathan, we can't hear you if you're saying something.
0: I don't know if you heard last night's sermon, Brother Mornay, but uh, the um, uh, lesson you picked tonight, just, Eric, used the word dovetail. Uh, man, Monday night and Tuesday night just go right together, brother. That was, that was outstanding on its own, but given what we had last night, it's even better. We, we have, we've had a great week already here, thanks to uh, Ben and, and yourself. Uh, appreciate it, man.
1: Yes. Good deal. Good deal. Sure. come back let us know about the school man when y'all get it up and running we'd love to hear about it and wish you all the success in the world in that
2: appreciate you brother certainly will
1: do yes right.
0: sir but don't mean to be short with you but we do have another show coming up here at the top of the hour and we still got some housekeeping to do before we turn it over so we'll say good night to you here brother and we'll look forward to having you back when you get the next opportunity right.
2: thank
3: you good night
0: all right
1: night. Yes, sir hey man that's high-quality h2o right there, boy. I mean, that <laughs> is some good, 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 good stuff. Outstanding.
0: Oh, man, I mean, You've got me in my brain now. I guess I'm guess i starting to say <laughs> outstanding all the time.
1: <laughs> I said fantastic is what I said. Uh,
0: and then I, I came I, out I with outstanding. It's, it's slipping into my brain, man.
4: Oh, man. He's
1: well, one it, one was. Of it was. <laughs> it was. It was. I'm glad we're talking about the church more and more and more. Man, I think that's yeah. just...
0: It is interesting how the the pattern of lessons has evolved over the last two and a half years, from the beginning of the pandemic till now. Because yeah. we don't assign topics, you can kind of feel what's on everybody's mind. Because the topics do tend to do tend to blend together, and they have. I don't have time to go over it, but they have kind of blended together over the progression of of the nights together. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um. Somebody asked me recently, "Does a uh, culture affect the church?" And uh, certainly in this regard, because preachers preach what's happening and what's on people's minds and what's impacting us from our culture. And uh, clearly uh, the, the ideas of loneliness, the ideas of depression, the ideas of uh, isolation and what it has done to members of the Lord's body and some not coming back and still struggling in those areas, uh, kind of forces us all in that same vein but certainly the importance of the church the oneness of the church the fellowship the communion if we can just get people to understand the church is heaven's program to bless the world we don't need another one it's the church and uh that's been some good service
0: well as i said we do need to start moving along because tony is waiting in the background so let's go ahead and uh get to the prayer request um had a bunch early but i haven't seen any in the last few minutes here but what i have of course is uh texas and and while we were on i i was on twitter and i noticed the count had gone up from uh 18 to 22 um that that had been that had been killed so um i mean to to fire off that many rounds you had to reload at some point that guy was in there a while so that is that's just heartbreaking oh yes
3: um
0: And then Jonathan uh, is asking us to pray for Roger with some good news, actually. That's a good thing. Uh, His heart condition is improving, and that's good news. Um, Carol is saying, uh, or Jonathan's also asking to pray for Carol. Doesn't have any details. Just know that uh, she needs some prayers. Uh, Trish is asking us to pray for the the long-term song leader uh, where she goes. He has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and Douglas is asking us to pray for him. He has a, an old ailment from back when he was a teen that has come back. Uh, he's having some pain behind his eyes. Um, when I get my migraines, I understand that feeling. That That is a horrible feeling to have. Um, but uh, pray for you, Douglas. Uh, and Connie uh, is having some leg pain, uh, which he thinks is tied to some back problems, and is asking for our prayers uh, as well. So um, let's uh, take for, take a moment and let's uh, Bow to God. Bow to God in prayer with these requests and uh, a moment of praise for Him as well. Father, we give You thanks for tonight, uh, for the encouragement that Mornay put before us. Um, we give You thanks for Your kingdom, for Your church, for the way that it is designed to bring us together and to uh, uh, help us to uh, support one another in whatever circumstances we find. We are thankful for the reminder tonight, and we. Uh, Hope that everybody who is a part of your church can take that to heart and that we can do a better job at fulfilling the responsibility we have to edify one another. Uh, Tonight, we do have several things we want to talk to you about. Um, Obviously, the great um, atrocity that's happened in the state of Texas with the loss of so many children and some teachers. Um, It is sobering, it is uh, perplexing that such evil can exist within the heart of men. uh, if, if it's sickness or some kind of mental illness, that would at least help explain something. But um, we pray for all those families. We give you thanks and praise for your goodness over us. We know that you know all things, and that um, uh, you have created heaven and hell for a reason. We trust in your sovereignty, sovereign, sovereignty, and your uh, your uh, justice and your mercy to work all work out all these things in, in due course, and we. Little, just put this condition into your hands and ask you to, to, to deal with it as you can. Uh, we're also mindful tonight of um, of uh, Roger. We pray for his improvement. We're thankful for that. And whatever the situation is with Carol, we uh, lift up her name to you in, your, in our prayers as well and trust that you would be with her. And then uh, two of our family here at Digital Bible Study, Douglas and Connie are, are dealing with some recurring pain issues and we ask your blessings upon each of them. Uh, There's such a, a vital part of the community that we have here on digital Bible study. And we pray that their lives can be eased. Their faith can be strengthened during this time as well. And all these things that we have asked, we give you praise and honor. We lift up all of these requests before you in the name of your son. And amen. Thank you. All right. Um, on the um, Facebook side, I didn't see anything on YouTube tonight. Um, um give me just a second here that should be yep that's reloaded um we got patsy with uh, 50 stars
1: thank you patsy
0: got claudette with 200 stars
1: thank you claudette
0: we have sobruno with uh, 200 stars
1: thank you sobruno
0: we got terry with 250 stars
1: thank you terry
0: and we have Valletta with 500 stars
1: Thank you, Valetta.
0: Um, and I believe that wraps us up on all of those things. Um, I guess it's about time to head off. Uh, I will be on tomorrow morning for From the Deep End uh, at 8 a.m. We will uh, uh, pick up our, continue our study of the book of Jude. Did, did you know we are in a six different book, Eric? We are in I Jude, not Romans. We started Jude today. Um, and I'm already behind. I told them I was going to do Jude in two days and I didn't get through the introduction today and I'm not done with the introduction. So it's going to be more than two days, <laughs> but it won't be many days. Once I get to, once I get to the text of Jude, it's going to go, it's going to fly right through. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, so that's the schedule for tomorrow. Uh, well, LaBeth Brewer at two o'clock, don't forget LeBeth. And then, uh, Thursday, I will be off from, from the deep end. But we will be back here. I think it's Greg's week, if I'm not mistaken. We should have, I haven't talked to Greg this week, but I assume he'll be with us Thursday. And we clue, uh, we uh, wrap up the week on Connect with Sean Evans on Friday night. So that's our schedule for the rest of the week. Um, You got anything else before we turn it over? I do not. Thank you so much for being with us. All right. We will see you back here, Lord willing, tomorrow night for Connect. I'll see you back tomorrow morning. And in 30 seconds, the room, we will turn it over to uh, Tony and Cogitate. Oh. I always forget because on, on Tuesday nights, I just need to get, I need to delegate it to Tony to do the close because I always forget to do it. But uh, until we're able to be back together, our prayer, you'll go out and make your day a great one for God. 30 seconds, Scott Station begins.
4: We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today, I don't know exactly how to label what we're going to talk about. I guess we could say we're going to talk about the first chapter of 1 Peter 1. There's a point I want to bring out, and it's something that I need to hear. It's something we all need to hear, I think. And I, that may be presumptuous on my part. I know that I'm a human being living in this world and trying to be the best I can and be a Christian. and. I figure most of you are human beings too. And you might be experiencing some of the same things that, uh, I'm, I'm experiencing and, uh, might be even having some of the same troubles I'm having. Uh, I don't want you to think that anything is, is clear and present, uh, other than just the clear and present danger of the world. Uh, in other words, I'm not facing anything particularly special that's jumped out in the last little bit or anything like that. It's just, that thing which is endemic to living as a Christian in the world, we need comfort. We need hope. We need reassurances. We need consolation, and I can't think of a better place to go uh, than First Peter. Tom Holland said uh, at the Truth and Love Lectureships in Pulaski, Tennessee, at East Hill Church of Christ, that First Peter. I heard him say this. I was listening to the lectures is what I'm trying to say. I heard him say, and it caught me off guard might be a way to put it. He said that Job and first Peter are kind of like parallel books. And my f- initial inclination was, well, Job and first Peter don't hardly have anything to do with one another. And I should have not had that stray thought because Tom Holland knows more than I do. And, uh, he, he, he just, just by virtue of the fact he would, he had He's been on this Earth a lot longer than I have they do have a lot of parallel they they deal with the same parallel issue suffering, persecution, how to live faithfully through suffering and persecution and comfort through suffering and persecution. While we could go through the entirety of the book we um oh. Cool. I have just been informed we are live streaming on our Podbean channel. That is amazing. You would think as big a proponent of Podbean as I am for my cogitations podcast that I would have already learned how to do that. That's amazing. Uh so pretty cool. So those of you that are listening on Podbean, man y'all keep it up, share it, like it, uh interact with it. I, I can't I don't think that I can see your chats. But understand that we're so glad that you're listening on Podbean. And uh, incidentally, make sure you subscribe. And if you interact, and that, that go, this goes for any social media platform we're on. The more you interact, the more that particular platform puts our content in front of other people who share similar interests as yourself. And our podcast, our live streams, our our archive videos, they will grow organically. And exponentially. So back to back to Brother Tom Holland. Uh so I heard him say that, and my first inclination was like, Well, First Peter and Job don't have much to do with one another. But man, the more I study First Peter, the more I study Job, I'm like, wow. Both of these books deal with suffering and deal with remaining faithful through suffering and deal with comfort. You know, God doesn't alleviate our suffering while we're here on this earth. Think about it. Job, his suffering was not alleviated. He was just comforted. Like there was a process. He had to go from point A to point B. Then his suffering was alleviated. You and I, we have to go from point A to point B. Now, Job's point A to point B was different. Our point A to point B is birth to death, the end of our life. And I suppose you can make the case that for some generation somewhere, uh, there will be people who do not taste death uh when they uh, but un, until they see Jesus coming in the air. But those will be those will be the exception and not the rule. Incidentally, good evening, everyone. Uh let me make sure I don't forget anybody here. Whoa, where are we at? uh missy malone good evening and uh jenny blackwell good evening from uh good evening brother tony from new york and uh katie smith scott wall claudette shauna Locke, uh trish hicks good to see you scott says hello brother tony it's good to be back we have missed seeing you the last two weeks scott i noticed your absence and sadly i was so very busy today that as I was getting on Facebook to check something, I saw a post from you. I hope that everything is okay with you. I didn't have time to read the post. I'm sad to say, but it looked like everything was okay. So, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you anyway. Uh, Katie Smith, the letter Good to see you. Uh, T Kyle and, uh, Missy Malone, Elaine McClung, Christine Woodall, um, Debbie Mangus. Hello and good evening. And, uh, uh, there's a Thomas H. Holland unofficial page. Evidently it's managed by Jonathan Exum. So that's pretty cool. And yes, we sure loved brother Tom Holland. He had such a, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of different preaching styles. And, um, whenever I was in preaching school, brother Garland Elkins, kind of took me under his wing and he coached me I I I'm 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 scared to say mentor I don't want to say I don't want to be presumptuous I'm just going to say he coached me uh in 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 extemporaneous preaching that's where you you preach from the overflow that doesn't mean you don't make preparation that doesn't mean you just get up there and you preach haphazardly but that you study so much and you overprepare so much that, like my sermons, with the exception of the, the chasing rabbits and the calling people's names and saying hi, my sermons are much like my live streams. I formulate a problem that I want to solve, or I formulate a question that I want to answer, and I think about how I would do that going to scripture. And I think about how I would disseminate that information and solve that problem from scripture or answer that question from scripture. If I were talking to someone, just one person right across from me and I meditate on it, I study it and I meditate on it and I study it and I study it and I study it and I pray and I study and I study and I pray and I study. And then I get up and preach and I don't have any notes. I don't have anything. It's very conversational. I don't get too loud. I don't get too over the top. I don't not, very excitable. And uh I've I, I guess I see uh brother Garland Elkins and I see Tom Holland and um I know that's the way brother brother Elkins approached preaching. Uh don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean he never had an outline, that doesn't mean he never had notes. In fact, that doesn't mean I never have notes. Uh sometimes, especially when I'm talking about pretty um tedious like I'm, I'm disseminating some tedious um uh, information and talking about a tedious topic i will have notes but um listening to brother tom holland and reading his uh homiletic books and stuff like that i've 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 told um I, i've been told that i, I remind I, I remind some people of that not not that i remind people of brother tom holland but of, of his style and brother garland elkins of their style anyway that's all i'm saying about that uh good evening D- douglas Connerly jonathan um jonathan says that i have a logical and analytical mind and somebody told me that he had or somebody told him that he had a logical and analytical mind he said i don't know don't know how but that was what i was told i i get you jonathan it's it's weird having those conversations with people all right let's get into this I'm going to try something that I haven't actually tried before. This is either going to be really, really good or it's going to fall flat. I want to bring out a point from the entirety of the cha- of the first chapter of the book of 1 Peter. And um I'm I'm going to do it by offering a what's called a running commentary. This is going to be a little bit different than my normal live streams. Usually my normal live streams are. Well, they're literally my cogitations, my thoughts about something, and they're based in scripture and stuff like that. But this is going to be, let's read this text, and let's bring out some points from the text. And I want to punch it home at the end, and I want to leave you and me both with one point that should put everything in perspective and shine a beacon of light on what our focus should be. That's that's the that's the intent of this live stream. Now if you if you if you can sum that up in one or two words, that's what the title of this podcast should be. So anyway, let's start. This is first Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All right. He is talking to people who were scattered abroad on a persecution. When you see this word scattered abroad, three times it's mentioned in scripture that I can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, the book of Acts chapter eight, um, I believe verse one and Saul was consenting that time or consenting to his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, I do not believe that this is the same persecution because here we have where they were scattered abroad and uh, or in Acts we have where they were scattered abroad, and in first Peter we have where they were scattered abroad, and it's two different locations two two different geographic locations. however, this idea of being scattered abroad, if you're scattered. That's, you're, you're, you're leaving something. You're like a refugee. Okay. Now there's a, there's a third time. And this third time I believe is the same scattering abroad that Acts chapter eight is talking about. And that's James chapter one and two. Anyway, It, it starts out James, uh, servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Greetings. All right. So we understand that Peter then is writing to people who were scattered abroad but what other designation does he give him listen to it Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia elect according to the foreknowledge of God the father through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He starts out with grace and peace. He's blessing them with a prayer that grace and peace is multiplied to them, okay? But who is it? They're, they're strangers scattered abroad, and they are elect. Now, I don't want to get in very deeply to what elect is. I think the word elect is a designation meaning more than just christians in general i think the word elect was specifically talking about the jews who were uh who were who had been baptized with the baptism of john who were faithful to christ jesus all right even if they even if they all fell away for a time they were they were still followers of jesus christ under the baptism of john um however for the purpose of this podcast Uh, We're going to understand, we're going to be taking this from the general definition of elect, the general usage of that term. Peter is writing to Christians, okay? This applies to you and me in a general sense, okay? So, it's people who are not in their homeland. Folks, heaven is our home. We are just a passing through, and most of you can probably finish that line. Um, So we're strangers. We're scattered. We're, We're down here in persecution. We're waiting for the end so we can go home and be with our Father. All right? Now, he goes on. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this starts the comfort and consolation. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, not a dead hope, not a hope that's impotent, not a hope that's powerless, not a hope that is... Again, unliving is lively by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. No matter what we're going through, our hope is alive. In fact, our hope personified is sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high and we are eagerly awaiting his return. So, we have been begotten born unto a lively hope to an inheritance that's incorruptible it doesn't matter what's going on in this world if you remain faithful to jesus to god through jesus your hope your inheritance cannot be corrupted cannot be uh, defiled it will not fade away, it is reserved, but the location is in heaven. Can you think of a passage of scripture that correlates with this from, from the Sermon on the Mount? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt more where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, Or where a man's treasure is, theirs heart is also. Folks, it doesn't matter what we're going through. If we remain faithful to Jesus, if we walk that walk and walk that walk, no matter how tiresome it gets, no matter how hopeless it seems, Peter is reminding us that it's not hopeless. The hope is not dead. That's it. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yes, they were begat; they were born by the word of truth to be a kind of first fruits of his purpose. That's it. And as long as you're faithful, that cannot be taken away. Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, there is no force in heaven or earth that can remove you from the love of God. Oh, my brethren, we can walk out of it for sure. We can turn our backs on it, can we not? We can spurn this hope. But there's no force in heaven or earth that can pluck us out of it; that can take it from us against our will. Satan talk. Satan can talk us out of it. Just like uh, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of red pottage. We can sell our birthright for a night of indiscretion with a. Wild woman or man, we can sell our birthright for a higher paying job. We can sell our birthright for any number of things. But what shall a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So I want you to listen to this. Have any of you ever heard of the Amaranthus flower? Armanthian flowers, amaranth, it's amaranth, isn't it? I don't think I have my screen share turned on. Let me see if I've got my screen share turned on. I bet I don't. I bet I haven't done that yet.
3: Oh, I think I may have. I want to share safari. Nope, I
4: have not, okay. Well I can't do it. There's this flower called an amaranth flower. Y'all look it up. It's pretty. Um I'm looking at pictures of it, I promise you. Uh it's a pretty flower. And uh I think the uh the 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 bleeding amaranth and you can buy seeds, it's beautiful, man. And uh it's a perennial. The Greek word amaranth is translated by this phrase fadeth not away." Our inheritance is amaranth; it's perennial. How do you spell it? Why you? Why you? Why you got me asking? Why you got to ask me hard questions like that, Christine? Let me see here if I can get back to it.
3: S-E-A-R-S.
4: All right. A-M-A-R-A-N-T-H. Just look up amaranth flowers. And there's different strains. There's like uh, amaranthus, uh, amaranth, bleeding amaranth. Amaranth is a cosmopolitan genus of annual or short-lived perennial plants, collectively known as amaranths. Some amaranth species are cultivated as leaf vegetables vegetables and a bunch of other stuff that's not germane to the podcast. Basically, they're perennials. They they don't the, the plant doesn't go away. The flower blooms, but the the plant, the substance is th- the substance is there and it, it it always comes back is the idea. Uh, when you look this word up in Esau, in the Greek, uh, to an inherent incorruptible and that fadeth not away uh the word is amarantos and it's uh unfading that is by implication perpetual and uh, not fading away perennial and it uh tells you to reference this other word um enduring amarani and it's used in 1 Peter 5 verse 4 and when the shepherd and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Same form of the, of the stem word there. Now I'm spending so much time on this because there is a juxtaposition made between the glory of our hope, the glory of Jesus Christ, and man's glory. Our hope, our glory in Christ, is amaranthos it fades not away it's perennial now let's keep going and I, i'm we're gonna we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to how this this how this plays out all right so re- it's reserved in heaven for you that that amaranthus that amaranthus that that incorruptible uh or that uh that that lively hope that it that fades not away the reason it doesn't fade away is it is in the heavenly realms our hope is located in Christ and Christ is in heaven with God he is above this world he's above the fray he cannot be touched by this our hope our treasure is there who are kept that's us those of you And it's reserved in heaven for those of you, that's us, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, there's a sense in which when you're baptized into Christ, you can say, I am now saved. But there's a sense in which you're not saved. Now, what do I mean by that? Don't write me off yet, okay? You can say, I am saved, because the promises of God are so sure that you can speak of something that has not happened as if, had, as if it had already happened. In in, in the schol- in the academic realm in the realm of academia, that is called prophetic perfect tense. It's found in Isaiah fifty three. Let me. Let me read a section of Isaiah fifty-three. I mean, it's found in other places as well, but the one most familiar and more the one easiest seen is Isaiah fifty-three. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before us, for, for he shall grow up before before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. That's present tense. And when we shall see him. Uh, There is no beauty that we should desire him. That's present tense as well. He is despised, past tense, and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, past tense, as it were, our faces from him. He was, past tense, despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne, past tense, our griefs, and carried, past tense, our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him stricken stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our trespasses, past tense, and he was past tense, bruised for our iniquities. So how is it then that Isaiah can write through inspiration of the Holy Ghost about the suffering Savior as if it had already happened? Because the promises of God are so sure that when God prophesies and talks about something like a promise, then it can be talked about as if it already happened. So you and I, we can, um, whenever we're baptized into Christ, we're calling upon the name of the Lord. And that's in essence, calling upon his authority to save us at the last day. And because we've done that, what we, what, what we are saying is, if we remain faithful, that promise is sure it's bound it's bound to us and it's sure. And the promise of God is so sure that I can speak of my salvation. As if it, as if it's already happened, that's prophetic. Perfect. Well, it, it's right here. Christians are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation that salvation is ready to be fulfilled at the last time. Um, That's it. Uh first John five thirteen. Um they had eternal life. Now, when will they receive that as we read in first Peter five, when will they receive that crown of life that fadeth not away? Well, they're only going to receive it at the day of judgment. That's whenever Paul is going to receive his uh Second Timothy four eight. Uh I'm I've I've fought the good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. I'm now ready to be offered. Uh, Well, let me go over there and read that. Um, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So again, you can, you can, uh, that's right. We can know now. And uh, these things have written to you that believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. The reason we can come up out of that water of baptism and say, I am saved is because we're begotten again to a lively hope. That's in that it's an an, an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away. And it's reserved in heaven for us who were kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. It's preserved, it's reserved, and we can't lose it as long as we're faithful. That's the promise of God. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how much this world is trying to chew you up and spit you out. It doesn't matter how hard Satan's coming against you. It doesn't matter if your own particular shortcomings and, and, and slips and trips. You can't lose your salvation as long as you remain faithful, walk in the light as he is in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ will constantly cleanse you. As Scott wall, put it in the, the chat. First John five 13 you it's, it's not just that you can know you can know that. You know, that you know, you know that you're saved, but Tony, I thought you just said, we well, you weren't technically saved yet. Yeah. See how that works. Isn't it awesome? It hasn't happened yet, but the promise of God is so sure that we can speak of it as if it's already happened because it's that amaranthus. It fades not away. It's preserved. It's reserved. It's for us. God's done his part. All we got to do is remain faithful. That's it. Do you know how long on earth you have to remain faithful? You only have to remain faithful for one moment. Everything in the past doesn't matter. Everything in the future hasn't happened. The only moment is now. Are you faithful now? Then you're begotten again unto a lively hope, to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled, that faileth not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. Praise God almighty. We could just stop right here and it'd be enough, wouldn't it? Are we not comforted at this thought? Man, I know I am. Katie Smith says, just like the sins of the Jews in the Old Testament, they were forgiven because God knew that Jesus would be crucified, forgiving the sins from the past and the future of those who obeyed and will obey. That's it. Yeah, And th- th- that's a good point. The reason this is a little abstract and it gets kind of confusing when we try to put it in this earthly language, we're using earthly language to convey spiritual messages. And sometimes the spiritual messages are so high and lofty that the earthly language doesn't adequately convey all of the little bitty nuances. So it's difficult for us, but I sure do like talking about stuff like that because it lets me see just how much, well, no, it doesn't. Actually, I was going to say it lets me see just how much is going on. Let me rephrase that. It makes me have an inkling of just how much is going on in the background to make sure that I'm going to be in heaven for eternity. All right. Now, let's keep going. Here's wherein this is verse six, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Well, that's that's a preposition of location. Where are you rejoicing? You rejoice in faith in Christ, in your inheritance, in your hope. All of that stuff that was just listed. You greatly rejoice, though now for a season, for a short time, if need be. You are in heaviness through manifold many multifaceted many temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold or silver or the, or gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. these folks we're going through some hard times folks let me let me give you a little illustration about this i've never worked with silver and gold but i have done a little bit of work with lead training and i'm not proud of some of this that i did when i was a horse trainer didn't know any better just thought it was normal didn't realize some of the damage we were doing but um we would shoe the tennessee walking horses with like tall shoes and we would stack them we would stack pads and sometimes the horse would need to articulate his foot a certain way and in training you're building muscle memory and we could nail now you're not nailing it into his feet you're nailing it into the pad that's nailed to the bottom of his feet the horseshoe so we would put lead we would nail a piece of lead either on the bottom or the side of that pad and that affected and depending on how much you needed to help him, you could nail anywhere from a six or an eight ounce piece of lead to a 24 ounce piece of lead, I think is the biggest one we had. And, um, but what happened is you would nail them and, and you, and those, and those pieces of lead would stay there for a while. And through a couple of weeks of, uh, riding and, uh, riding around in the barn, that lead would get so dirty, it would look like a a dirt clod. Well, we would take those pieces of lead off, and when the farrier came, he had a smelting pot and a mold, and he would get out his smelting pot, and he would put all that lead in a smelting pot and melt it down, and all of that horse manure and mud and dirt and sawdust would burn off, and he would pour that lead into the mold, and we would have nice new pieces of lead y'all even though that was lead it had a luster it shined all right that's that's if lead shines and has a luster after it's tried by fire your faith being much more precious than gold how much will it shine if you remain faithful through your trials and temptations. That's the idea here. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with the fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. Go read Ephesians chapter five. Paul says, and I think this is around verse eight. Ye once were children of darkness. Excuse me, excuse me. Ye once were darkness, but now are you light. Walk therefore as children of light. What does light do? It shines forth. Think about that for a moment. That's such a beautiful thing. Your faith you might take some dings. You might get a little bit of dirt on it. But as Scott, it just gets purer and purer. It's going to be tried by that fire. You're going to burn away those impurities. And it's going to shine like the brightness of the sun. It's going to reflect the light of Jesus. All right. All right. Now, here's some more comfort. This is a reminder like you you're, you're 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 having persecution from people that you can see so you're tempted to be more afraid of the persecution that can come from them than you are in love with the one you cannot see listen to this whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls some of these people were being persecuted to death folks when you're persecuted to death you receive the salvation of your soul you cuz you you go right to paradise you 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 come to the end of your faith there's no more reason to have faith once you're dead because your faith is fully realized you know, think about that faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these are love. That's because when you die, your hope is realized, your faith is realized. You're resting in Abraham's bosom. When Jesus comes back, your hope is realized, your faith is realized, because Jesus is returned. But what is there left? Love. It always comes down to love. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For why? God is love all right of now this is he, here peter talks about this wonderful salvation but he talks about the privilege of being in christ because we know more than the prophets did we know more than isaiah did we know more than elisha did they prophesied of jesus they never got to see him matthew chapter eleven, eleven. jesus says of john the baptizer among them that are, born of, that, are, that are born of a woman, there hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom shall be greater than he. What in the world do you mean, Jesus? He that, he, he, there's not arisen a greater than John the Baptist. That's an elliptical statement. In the context, there hath not arisen a greater prophet. Well, how is John the Baptist a greater prophet? He's greater in privilege. No other prophet ever walked the face of the earth that prophesied about Jesus, actually got to see Jesus. Hi.
2: Just wishing, uh, John did. You guys some luck tomorrow.
4: However, feeling, feeling you him. and I, we are greater in privilege oh, than John the Baptist. Feeling fantastic about well, Tony, I've never seen Jesus. You're right, yeah. you haven't. Anybody, but you're a part about? of his body. John the Baptist was not a part of his yeah. body while I'm he was on earth. John the Baptist was beheaded before the church was founded.
3: The food okay, in the chips. All
2: right, good luck, guys.
4: But listen to this salvation verse, verse ten. Let listen to the beauty of this, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that be that should come to you. You're privileged. You're persecuted right now. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you're not worth saving but you 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 have a li- you've been begotten okay. into a lively hope that's undefiled and incorruptible and fadeth not away and you have this salvation messy at the front door, baby. Yeah. this salvation that those men of old yeah. desired to right. look okay. into right. they Still wanted like to guys. know about it but they couldn't know anything about it but you do you're experiencing it Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Isaiah wanted to know, Lord, who hath believed our report? and To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This this is a reference to Isaiah 53.1 there. Isaiah wanted to know. God didn't tell him. We know, don't we? unto whom it was revealed All that not right, to guys. themselves, but to us they did minister. The prophets of the long ago ministered to us, my brethren. They, ministered, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things even the angels desired to look into. We're more privileged than the angels. We got the information firsthand. The angels had to get it secondhand. They had to watch it unfold. Now, because of this, now here's the admonition. This is the call to action. The comfort you've been begotten to a lively hope. In fact, if you can't, if you can't uh, streamline this and preach it right from the book,
3: just wishing uh, you some luck tomorrow.
4: Well, I shouldn't say. I was going to say maybe you shouldn't so good, be preaching, but in, in any, any gospel preacher oh, worth really his great. salt ought to be able to outline this and preach it right from the book. So okay. the comfort, the consolation, you've been begotten again to a lively hope. It's undefiled. It fades not away. It's amaranthus. Actually, what is that word? Now I've lost it.
1: Yeah.
2: Leaving the food around. Okay. in the chips. All right. Good luck, guys.
4: It's Amarantos, not thus. Amarantos. It's perennial. It don't fade away. It's beautiful. It's perennial. It fades not away. You've been begotten again of that lively hope that's Amarantos. It doesn't fade away. Uh, Even though you're persecuted, understand that Jesus loves you. You don't see Jesus now, but you still love him. You still believe in him. Remain faithful, and your faith will shine to the glory of God brighter than the most pure gold that's been refined by the refiner's fire. And you have this salvation and you're so privileged to have this salvation because even the prophets, they, they desired to, to, to understand it, but they couldn't, it wasn't revealed to them. And even the angels desired to look into it now, because of this, here's the admonition. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of life. King James says, conversation, because it is written Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear, he's telling them to remain faithful. But he's not telling them, hey, remain faithful because God told you to remain faithful. He says remain faithful because of all this beautiful stuff that I've described to you. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Now he's 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 back to supporting this with comfort. I'm telling you all of this. I'm telling you not to go back into the world where only corruption is. You were redeemed, brought out of the world. Don't go back into the world because of the suffering. That's the
3: worst thing you can do.
4: You were born, you were brought out of the world. You were not brought out of the world, rather, with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain life received by the tradition from your fathers. But you were bought with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. You are important. You are worth something. Just because you feel different, don't argue with God. He spent a lot of time on you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So much provision has been given and has has taken place on our behalf. Now listen, here's the punch. Here's the point I want us all to take from this. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass the glory of man is like a the 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 bud of grass but well, what happens the grass withers and the flower thereof fade away the amaranthos flower all the flower may not always be visible but the amaranthos never fades away it's always there. You can depend on it. You might not be able to see the beautiful flower, but it's always there. This inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, that amaranthos, it's perennial. All flesh is as grass, the flower thereof. The glory of, the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. In times of trouble, go to the word. It's unchanging. It will not fade away. It will be an anchor in the time of storms. It will bolster your faith. It will be a ballast in your ship like a lodestone in your ship keeping your ship aright in heavy seas in choppy waters. Folks. That's, that's it. That's the message for tonight. We got to go back to the word. Good stuff. Let me read, let me read a few comments here. Yeah. Test my heart, and my mind, Psalm 26, two. And, uh, Christine also said, yeah, that's right, Scott, it gets pure and pure. Um, Christine also says, interesting correlation with a farrier. Cool beans. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Romans 10, 15, and how shall they that preach, How well, excuse me, hold on. And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saith lord who hath believed our report so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god it's an interesting topic of conversation there uh, we use that verse a lot of times to talk about personal faith um it is true that we're not going to have faith in god without hearing about him but sp- specifically speaking there um Paul is talking about the system of faith. It comes through hearing, the Rama, the or the the Krama. You gotta get that phlegm going in the back of your throat. I can't do it. Anyway. Um, but it's good stuff. That's it. And uh Christine says, Amen. And Isaiah 40, verse I know Isaiah 48. Um, I'm gonna go use my trusty rest to e sword anyway. Because all I have is my little New Testament with Psalms Isaiah forty verse eight Boo where you at? I could have found it easier if I'd have just picked up my Bible. Where am I at? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. In fact, let's read six through eight. The voice said cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's it. Beautiful stuff. Um, Katie Smith says, It is very similar to Hebrews also. Both letters are telling the recipients to hold on to their faith through various trials they were going through. Don't go back to the world because there's no hope there. Katie, that's a, that's a reoccurring theme throughout scripture. And I suppose the reason it comes up so often, I mean, what, 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 what do you do when you, when you get in a situation that's uncomfortable, you go back to what, you know, do you remember at the end of the book of John? What did what did Peter say? Fellas, I'm going fishing. He had denied Jesus three times. Jesus was buried, and he didn't, according to him, he didn't know what to do. So he went back to what he know, knows. He went back to what he knew. Don't go back to what you know. Oh, it's so easy to slide back into that. You slide back into sleeping in on Sundays, working a hundred and seventy-eight, ninety-four hours in the week, too tired to go to church on Sundays, but you're making that good money. You're putting that good retirement back on earth, but you're not laying up any treasure in heaven. It's easy to go back to what you know, is it not? A lot of folks do it. I pray for them. I hope God gives them enough time to come back to their senses. Debbie Mangus says, thanks for this special message. Debbie, I appreciate that. And Scott Wall, our hope, our refuge. He is the anchor of our souls. That's it. And um <laughs> Katie, it works on several different levels, doesn't it? Katie says going back to what you know is probably the reason why I've gone back to the same job five times in eleven years. Yeah. And and listen, man, sometimes it can be like a, a an abusive relationship. There's there's women in abusive relationships and men too for that matter in fact i think statistically speaking um women are typically more physically abusive to men than men are to women it's just when a man is physically abusive to a woman it's much worse because men are more physically powerful anyway doesn't matter um people are in abusive relationships whether you're a woman with a man or a man with a woman, and you stay in these relationships because it's familiar. Change is hard in fact, let me something comes to mind. I think it's second Kings
3: seven nope. I thought it was Second Kings 7.
4: Oh, it is. It is 2 Kings 7, but it's verse 3, not verse 1. Listen to this. Now, this was when Ben-Hadad uh, had surrounded the city, and they were starving. They were eating babies. They were starving. Verse 3 of 2 Kings 7. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. I think I said us Syrians. I don't mean that. Uh, Anyway, if we fall into the host of the Syrians, if they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no man there. the The idea is there were these four leprous men who depended upon the city, of of um, well, depended upon the city for food for sustenance. Well, there there was no there was no sustenance there. so, so basically, it was like, look, we are for sure going to die here. But if we go over there, the tender mercies of these wicked Syrians, they're more than likely going to kill us. But that means there's a slight, slight chance they'll save us alive. That's better than nothing. Sometimes you have to work very, very hard to get out of the situation you're in. You can't stay in it because you're comfortable. You've got to work hard to get out of it. And sometimes you, you don't get into a, a situation that's, that's incrementally much better. But at least you're making progress anyway. I don't know if that falls into the lesson we preach we did tonight or not, but I thought it was interesting um, we we need we we don't need to go back to what's familiar uh we don't need to go back to eat all of that good meat and stuff in egypt we We need to stay we need to stay following the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire. And we need to, as Scott put in there in the comment section in the last. We need to look to Jesus, the perf- Perfector of our faith. Folks, that's all I've got this evening. Um, there's 29 of you here. Be sure to share this if you would, and also uh, be sure to follow us on Locals. It's uh, I think it's like di- digital. Anyway, keep your ears and eyes peeled for more information. We haven't officially launched our Locals on Digital Bible Study. Uh, in fact, let me see if here, if I can, locals.com,
3: log in.
4: I, I, I didn't mean to sign out earlier. All right, let me let me read you the address. Well, that's the Locals.com feed. Hold on a second. There we go. All right. Yeah, it's digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. In fact, I want to copy that and I am going to put that in here all right be sure and go over to locals and check us out on locals like I said we haven't fully developed everything we're going to do over there Um, we're doing kind of a soft launch just telling folks about it but I think in the month of June we really plan to crank it up over there and see exactly what we can get into and how much value we can offer the people that want to follow us and support us on that, on that platform. And, uh, that's all I've got tonight, folks. Thank you so much. Um, Oh, uh, Kate, thank you so much for that. Um, I'm glad you put that on there, Kate. Uh, thank you. I've been watching the Hebrew study on reruns as I usually can't join in live. Good study as always. Thank you so much. So Fridays at, at uh, 11 eastern 10 central we do a zoom class if you're a member of digitalbiblestudy.org you got to be a member of digitalbiblestudy.org to be a part of the zoom class and it is uh bearing his reproach it's a letter to the uh, well a study of the book of hebrews bearing his reproach Hey man, Stephen Ford, I'm doing really, really well. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you've, you've uh, tuned in. Hey, now that I've seen you, it reminded me of something else. Aaron Dotson and myself are going to start a show on Tuesdays. It's going to be called Christianity Now. And we're going to talk about Christianity Now. We're going to touch on a few current events. We're going to have a segment for exegesis, stuff like that. and uh we're going to have reason Stephen Ford, uh, remind his name popping up, reminded me because we're going to have guests on as well. So, uh, anyway, Stephen will be one of the guests on, he just don't know it yet. <laughs> anyway. Um, that's all I've got folks. Just keep your eyes peeled for that. Some really exciting things coming from digital, from digital Bible org. And, um, man, Scott, that's awesome. Uh, I going to our camp for the weekend. That that's, Listen, I'm gonna go I, I'm I need to take a trip back to the States because I miss the the summer youth camps. I love I love youth camp. I think it's one of the best things that the church has done. <sighs> don't take that out of context. I don't I I'd have to chew on that. I'm 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 a little bit just thinking about it excites me. Uh having all those kids there. It's a week where you just focus solely on spiritual things and having uh, fellowship and stuff like that. Anyway. Um, I got to get off here, folks, or else I'm just going to keep rambling. Uh, thank you so much. Good to see everybody. Stephen Ford says, sounds good. I'm sure it'll be a good show. Well, there'll be one good episode anyway. It'll be the one you're on. And, uh, know I appreciate you. I shouldn't be making jokes. There's million, million comedians out of the, out of work all over the world. And I'm on this live stream making jokes. All right. God bless you. See you. Missy Malone. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Remember, stay faithful and focus on the word of God because you have an inheritance that's undefiled, incorruptible, and it is perennial. It fades not away, and it is the opposite of the glory of man. It's the, the glory of God. It fades not away. God bless you, and this has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you. On the flip side.